<laughs> Pot of gold. I have a little agenda. I'll just read it to you real quick. So the plan is, um, okay, episode two, or episode 69, season two, for release 5-7-22. Today's my cousin Eliza's birthday. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. You talk to her? I just sent her a message. How old is she? That's a great question. 37, I think. My guess was going to be 35. Uh, She's very youthful. She's very youthful. Okay. Uh, Let's see. She actually might be 38. Wow. I don't know. I think she could pass for 26. I'll tell her. Are you going to talk about that level the whole time? Do you want me to be closer? No, I just want to make sure. I, 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 I want to set it. You're talking a lot softer than me. Okay. So I, I, they're not even. But I want to. If you're going to talk that uh, quiet, that's fine. I don't think fine. I could maintain a whole lot bolder for a certain amount of time. Okay, perfect. Then I will crank you up a little bit. Okay. Okay. How does that sound? Um, you sound great. All right. They're looking good. Okay. All right. So I want to talk about. I have a little list. Oh, uh, one time at baseball practice, Mooch uh, butted into a conversation I was having with somebody else, just like the story at football, except for we, we, we weren't even talking to him. And we were, I was four years older, so it's, it's, it was annoying. And uh, he, I was going to tell this story also in the actual podcast, but the first one was awkward enough. <laughs> okay, wait, though. You were four years old when this happened? Four years older. Oh, okay. Um, but so I wanted to talk about that in the intro a little bit and I'll tell the story, but it's basically just where he told me to shut the fuck up and I'm told me I'm just a stupid fat pear, even fatter and stupider than stupid fat pear, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, Paul wasn't even fat. (laughs) And so I want to tell that story, but I, you know, I might've just already just told it, it doesn't matter. Um, he used to ask me about my hemorrhoids all the time. Uh, to bully me and you have told me this so many times now I find it so funny because he turned out I did have hemorrhoids I had no idea (laughs) he knew before me so thanks Mooch yeah thanks Mooch Uh, anyway so maybe we cover that maybe not I don't know Um, probably do his bio teacher coach bully Um, let's see we covered the NCAA stuff his dad being involved in fishing I'm popping my peas. I couldn't do that a year ago. Really? Yeah. Why? My mouth, the muscles around my mouth were so tight. And my teeth were, I had races also. So. Interesting. Just one of those skills that people take for granted. I also can't whistle. We didn't even know we were doing something special. Yeah. Can you whistle? I can. That was pretty good. But also you can whistle. I've heard you. No, I really can't. Yeah, you can. 100% no. Who have you been listening to whistle? Let's hear you try. I know I've heard. <laughs> That's your best whistle? I wonder, Yeah. You really think I can whistle? You think so highly of me. That's nice. I just can't believe I married someone who can't whistle. Well, you didn't know I had autism either. (laughs) Uh, Or that I was married. Anyway, let's move on to the podcast. (laughs) 
The kids must whistle. I've heard whistling in our yeah, house. Yeah, they all they all whistle real well. Except not Amelia yet, but she'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I really can't whistle. I've always um always wanted to though. Okay. That's why I took up the harmonica. You're good at that. Thank you. It's that's that's finally starting to actually be something that's kind of enjoyable and not just a source of humiliation. That's one of those things about you that I'll mention like everybody knows that. And they'll go, Jeff plays the harmonica? And I'll say, yeah, he taught himself and he's pretty good. And then people will go, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Depends on when you catch me. Sometimes I'm not that good. And I forget how to play every song. And because it's all just in my head. I don't, I don't, I've never learned how to read the music. I some Even the tabs, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing here? What am I trying to be? But you have tried to read the music. You did it the other night when you were playing Louie Louie with Elsa. Well, that was a special occasion. I was trying to play her a specific <laughs> song so I can't just freewheel it, you know? Is that an expression, freewheel? It should be. That's a good one. All right, well, let's get this show on the road. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host, Jeff Nesbitt, and in the studio with me today is my lovely wife, Melissa Nesbitt. It is Saturday, May 7th, 2022, and we've got a great show for you today. It is part two of Farting Through Silk with Mooch Smith. And if I'm being honest, this episode is where it's at, really. If you haven't heard the first one, go back and listen to it, just so you know what's going on. But really, this episode is the fire. This is the one you want. So yeah, buckle up, get ready. It's going to be good. Special shout out to Lindsay Hilton Maroquin, Sean Ryden, Allison Harkle Road, and Michelle Perez. They are our newest members of the Ram Fam. Thank you guys so much for your subscriptions. And yeah, look forward to getting to know you. A few of you already know. But yeah, that's pretty cool. That's the largest jump we've had in, in one weekend. So Congratulations. That's, that's cool. Oh yeah, up to 19, 18, I believe. It feels good. Those are hard-earned, hard-earned 18. Good. I was thinking about it. It's been a year and a half now, and I still have not figured out how I like the mic exactly. Ooh, this is nice, though. Honestly, that's a better mic. I, oh. When I use that mic, it feels... I like the sound of it better, I think. And this one's fancier. I don't know what the deal is. I almost switched you right before you came in here, but there wasn't time. You're welcome to still switch. No, no. People have talked about how much they enjoy your voice in particular, so okay. put you on the good mic. Let's put you on the good mic. Um, did you have anything you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. What? No, I don't really have an agenda. I just... <laughs> you said, will you come out and record an intro? Well, oh, that's what sure I'm doing. I wasn't leaving. Yeah. Hanging. No. Um, I'll let I you do. know. I didn't really get any news this time. There's no news to report. Uh, everything is pretty much abortion related these days on the news, I imagine. Yeah. It's a lot of buzz. Um, speaking of which, I have lined up somebody to come talk about abortion and such. Women's rights. Really? Yeah. Her body, her choice type stuff. That's great. But, but I don't understand why women's rights are a touchy issue. It just... But you see in the world that they are. It's stupid. Yeah, it is, but it's not confusing to me. Why? Because it's the most valuable resource on the planet. Women? Yeah. Yeah, but this isn't the, In like particular, their uteri. A handmaid's tale. No, but if we're not careful, it could become that. 
So it's like, it's a good thing to talk about. Gosh. No, I agree. It just really makes me sad that we have to. I I feel like we're getting distracted. Um, Sorry. I, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to say that on this show, we're talking about ideas here. We're not giving a lecture. This is not, uh, I'm not a preacher trying to preach. I'm not a teacher trying to teach. I'm just a guy talking. So treat this as if you are overhearing people like chatting at a park or a restaurant or somewhere where you would naturally hear people having a conversation. So you're obviously, you're going to relate to some of it. You're not going to relate to other parts of it. And that's totally normal. And even like if this was a real situation where you're listening to a conversation in public, you're going to kind of get to know the people almost through just what they're saying in that limited exposure. And you kind of start to build a profile in your head of, of who these people are and how credible they are. And, you know, some people's instincts on that are better than others, but you're never going to believe everything they say because they're strangers. And even if they weren't, you don't know if they really know what they're talking about or if they had a bad source or whatever. You just never trust anyone completely. People on this show are representing their own opinions. Whoever's talking, that's what they think and nobody else. They're not representing organizations or institutions that they may or may not be related to. This is just for having fun. So keep that in mind. And at the same time, you don't have to just completely throw it all out. But let it, let it stimulate you to go do your own research. This show is for entertainment. It's not for advice. We're not advice givers. We're just talkers. So, you know, consume it at your own risk. Do you want to say that for people who may have feelings or opinions? Or is this because someone did have feelings or opinions? It's just because uh, the guest today was a little bit concerned about a few topics. Oh, so okay. I had to do some editing that I didn't really want to do and I didn't really feel was necessary because we didn't, it wasn't controversial things that were said. It was just topics that he considered controversial okay. that he would, he asked me to cut out and I did it and it was fine. And uh, he totally had the right to do that. But just in case he knows something I don't know and it is going to offend somebody, I was just, you know, trying to hedge my bets. Nope. That's fair. All right. Time for some news and current events. And on the, uh, the outline, it just says, ask Melissa. Oh, that's not fair. Don't you do that to me. Um, that's really what it says. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I wrote this a few days ago. You really wrote, <laughs> ask Melissa. Yeah. And then when I said, do you need me to bring anything or look at anything before we do this? You said, no, no, I have an outline. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> have you been following any, any exciting news stories? Um, I've just been keeping track of what we sort of already talked about, the um, women's rights issue that's in the news. Um, Has Elon Musk been doing anything crazy this week? Not that I'm aware of, but probably. I'm sure he's done something. You know who I saw on a podcast today? Uh, Grimes, who is his, I think, ex-wife now, but his baby mama. She's okay. a musician. She was very interesting. Very, very uh, kind of quirky and weird david bowie-esque i would say huh but you know ramped up for the 21st century well he's a character yeah for sure bowie was cool okay well fuck the news well here i have a couple i just i'm on apple news headlines top stories so we've got ukraine no okay um how overturning Roe versus Wade could supercharge the 2022 midterm campaigns. That sounds very opinion-y, but it did, 
you know, that is possible. That got me thinking. Um, massive explosion destroyed a hotel in Havana, Cuba. Oh. A COVID-19 hidden heartbreaking toll. That sounds very sad. A drought so bad it exposed a long ago homicide. I almost pulled that one up. So that's at Lake Mead. And it's Lake Mead. And what is that? Where is that at? It's at lowest levels that it's ever been. And there was a barrel, rusty barrel that had a body in it. Um, Lake Mead, you're correct. At the time, the barrel sank through hundreds of feet of cold Colorado River water before settling on the muddy bottom of the county's largest human May reservoir. And now the lake is emptier than it's ever been. They found it. They got him. That is crazy. I believe it, though. Being in Arizona, the... Oh, yeah, the, the dry lakes or the dry creeks. It was unsettling. They were all full of weeds. and the. Okay, so we're from the Pacific Northwest, so this may be normal. We weren't completely sure, but we just went to Arizona, Phoenix and Tucson. Everywhere you looked, now that I'm saying it out loud, are we going to look like idiots? Because we were in the fucking desert. But everywhere you looked, it was dry. Every creek, <laughs> nothing in it. <laughs> Just plants. We are a hiking family. So when we travel to a new place, we look up hikes and we would go to these trailheads that had like um, rivers on the map. So we were going to like check out the rivers on these hikes and they were completely dry with tire tracks and plants growing in them. Like we are totally people clearly drive here. There are trees growing. We're like, we went on vacation in the desert and fuck, it was dry. <laughs> it was concerning, like big bridges over a river that had nothing running through it. Yeah, it was weird. It maybe seemed weirder to us than normal, but it. I, I was wondering if it, if it would have seemed weird to people who lived there. I wanted to find somebody who'd been there a while, but we never did. Everyone had like just lived there for two years or like this was their last day of work and they were getting out to, we met like... At, least a handful of people that were leaving Arizona. Yeah, that's right. That the breakfast place, she uh-huh. was like this is my last day and or somebody else that was like No, I don't actually remember yeah. that at all. But I believe you. Okay. I remember. Did you make friends that I didn't meet? Yes. You're good at making friends. I'm I don't I'm sound, they sound cool. She was going back to help take care of her dad. The blonde waitress at the restaurant that Amelia took a family picture at. What was the food? With the million dollar bacon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still don't remember the waitress. But you remember the bacon. I do remember Why did bacon. I bring that up first? It was weird. The, it wasn't, they marketed the shit out of that bacon. It was just regular bacon with a little bit of honey on it and like a sprinkle of, of like flaky salt. And what else? Okay, well, I'm going to pass the bacon because... When we ate at the country club where you had the club sandwich. Do you remember the club sandwich? But of course. Um, that was his first day. He had just come. And then when we ate at the restaurant. Wait, who? Mine? What? You said it was his first day. The My waiter. First... Oh, the waiter. Yeah. I'm oh, just talking oh, about people oh, gotcha. transitioning in and out of the desert. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I don't need to bring up the other restaurant, but we... we we talked to the people that worked there. That's right. They're very friendly down there. Yeah. Those Arizonans. Arizonians. Yeah, that sounds better. Time for our next installment of Better Know a Bias. Bias of the week, the Dunning-Kruger effect. 
Dunning? Dunning Kruger, like Freddy Kruger. Okay. Dunning like like running but with a D. Got it. Dunning Kruger effect. So this principle states that the less competent you are, the more confident you're likely to be because you're too incompetent to understand exactly how bad you are. The opposite is also true. Those with greater skills are often plagued with doubt. Yeah. Have you seen this in real life? I think as that a teacher? saying ignorance is bliss is very true. Very true. The Dunning-Kruger effect in psychology, it's a cognitive bias whereby people with limited knowledge... Okay, that's basically the same thing. I'm not going to repeat myself. Although not scientifically explored until late in the 20th century, the phenomenon is familiar from ordinary life, and it has long been attested in common sayings. For example, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. I didn't get that before. I get it now. Well, because it's this thing where like the algorithm is giving you the news that um, it thinks you want to hear. And then people mostly just read headlines. You, How often do you click and read the whole article from beginning to end? So you can get these bits of pieces that will support your opinion that already exists. Yeah, that's that's more a confirmation bias. But well, the, I don't know. That's, I think that's like that's that like little bit of information, though. Yeah. This, okay, I, there's another quote from... Darwin, ignorance frequently begets confidence more than does knowledge. Charles Darwin, ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. Charles Darwin. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. The example I can think of most easily is people who are fully educated on YouTube versus universities. Like, let's say you're an author. Okay. And you write really successful books, even though you were just educated through YouTube. And also, this is a hypothetical anecdotal evidence, so it's not even really very valid. But So just to clarify, this is like I'm learning how to be a writer by watching YouTube videos? No, it's like you're – like if you want to – or be a historian. That's a better okay. example. So I want to be a historian. So instead of going to a university and getting a degree in history – I just watch a lot of YouTube videos. On history. On history. Okay. And so because I have watched so much YouTube on history, I, I do know a lot about history, a ton, enough to be fully uh, capable in conversations. And I can write bo a book about it that could pass off to somebody who doesn't know about history really, really in depth. But if you go to university, you might learn a whole bunch more. And this is all maybe because honestly, this is applying right now because I don't know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nobody knows what they don't know. So there might be a lot more of it than you think, I think, is really where this is coming from. So it makes it to where if you are well educated in whatever subject you're you're trying to be successful in, you are way more able to see your own shortcomings. Whereas if you weren't, you'd miss it. Yeah. Like an amateur podcaster might think his podcast is great because he doesn't have enough experience to recognize like, oh, shit, no, this, these are pretty much like set rules that you should follow just for production's sake. You know what I mean? Every every industry, every job has their little set of best practices. Right. Yeah. And it takes experience to learn what they are. I think there are a lot of things as teachers where we're like, oh, rookie move. <laughs> yep, for sure. The Dunning-Kruger effect. All right. We wrap that up. 
Ramble by the River is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. Now, it's no secret that I love each and every listener, but there's a special group called the Ram Fam that went to the website, they clicked the link at the top of the page, and they subscribed. And they get special merch drops, exclusive episodes, bonus content that you cannot find anywhere else. And on top of all that, they receive access to the Ram Fam Patreon group, where subscribers can contact each other, talk about the show, and talk to me. If you're a fan of the show and you regularly listen to the free episodes, you're going to love the extras that come along with this membership. Connect with Ramble by the River on social media. Find us at Ramble by the River on Facebook and Instagram and at Ramble River Pod on Twitter. All of this information, as well as any links you hear referenced during the show, can be found in the show notes for this episode and at RambleByTheRiver.com. So as I mentioned before, this week is part two of the Mooch Smith interview. So you guys will get to enjoy that. Okay, well, I didn't get enough of your voice in here. So before we go, will you please tell me the last thing that made you feel excited? Track. Tell me about it. <laughs> I'm coaching track and my daughter's running and it. I'm getting like a lot of joy from it. So um, it, it makes me feel excited when she runs. It's just beautiful. And I'm just so thrilled that I get to be there for it. And that's it. Okay. Um, You have stuff to talk about, though, right? I think I covered everything. Oh, well, so when you were going through your list of things you wanted to cover, that was covering them? Mm, yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> what was the last thing that made you feel excited? I feel excited in short bursts. A lot, 20 times a day. I, I feel excited often. Uh, I'm a dopamine seeker. Okay. That's like, that's what runs my life. But I usually feel excited every day. I, I'm, ex- I'm excited about making this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that I have a hot wife. I'm excited that I have kids who are just like good at everything. And I'm excited that I have influence and I get to work really hard at trying to make sure that those kids who are naturally good at a bunch of stuff don't end up messed up from something I did. Or ways that I treated them wrong, you know. I like I get to be a good dad. I, I get excited about that. So you're just excited about life. Yeah, I am too. To be perfectly honest, I get excited about all that. The chicks hatching. I'm hatching chicks in my classroom this week. We've had four hatch. I think that's it. I think the total is four. Is but there still a really couple precious. that are not hatching? Yeah, there's a couple eggs that didn't hatch, but I stopped in the classroom um, today when I took pick Sawyer up from practice and um the eggs have been taken out of the incubator so i think somebody who knew better than me one of my wonderful teaching companions um went and candled the eggs and found that they weren't viable otherwise they wouldn't have taken them out of the incubator or maybe they put them in someone else's incubator Um, my guess is we're past our window they just didn't hatch but that was exciting the excitement of kids getting to watch eggs hatch is really cool you could, you might want to get those eggs back. You can make your own homemade balut. Oh my gosh, no. You don't want to have a little balut? I don't want to even touch the chicks. That's balut. I... <laughs> have you ever heard of it? You know how much I like poultry, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what it is? <laughs> it's it's an egg with the chick still in it that's pickled. Oh my gosh. And I didn't know it was pickled, but I saw the picture. I think it's pickled. Yeah, 
Uh, it's very, very popular. It's a delicacy in oh, I think the Philippines. Yeah, balot. I would eat it because it's so because some people love it so much. I would definitely eat it. I am just so not a bird person, and like the universe. Is I don't like... want to eat balot. <laughs> I didn't used to want to eat kimchi either, but I tried it because like oh. if it's the national food of Korea, I gotta try this shit. It's gotta be something to it, and it, it was okay at first. I was like, it's spicy, you know. Unchopped sauerkraut. It smells great. I fucking love it. I know. My body adjusted to like crave it. Now I I just, I love it. It's so good. I would eat it. I do eat it like almost every day. But you know, every once in a while you get a batch that's flat. It's like nothing. It's, It's like, honestly, dead is really the right word. Where there's no fizz to it. It doesn't have the life that, it's alive. You eat that stuff and you could taste the life to it. So you can taste when it's kind of dead. It's weird, but we've got, that's why we have more than one can in the fridge. It's also why every time we go to on vacation, like there's just a thing of kimchi for the room. It's not all good. Some, like I buy it. I, I like to try different kinds and some of it's so fucking good and some of it tastes like shit and it's hard to know until you try it, but, and it's all expensive. So I, I apologize about that because I've wasted (laughs) a few, but I'm not going to eat bad ones. You know, I don't want to fuck around with bad fermented food. No, thank you. No, thank no, you. No, sir, Bob. All right. So I think that I think that's good. The what what the the two things that I was going to talk about, I think I covered enough. The the story, I don't want to go big into the story anyway. I feel too bad for Paul. It's probably really hard for him to hear that. <laughs> Say it one more time. Uh Mooch turned to me and he, and he said, "Shut the fuck up. You're just a stupid fat pear. You're even a fatter Fat pear than stupid fat pear Paul. Stupid fat pear Paul. And he hurt my feelings because Paul wasn't even fat, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the hemorrhoids thing. Good times. Good times. And, and like in your adult life, you have been like, thank you, Mooch Smith. Yeah, well, you he, can solve that problem for me. I was telling Ned about it in the podcast, and he's like, I don't, I don't want to. Oh, I don't want. I can't do it, Ned. <laughs> Try again. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I can't do it. It makes me sound like I'm trying to do a Shack impression or something. <laughs> Ned just has a really deep voice. I don't want to hear that. Whatever, we got it. I think we got it. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Anything we should uh, that I'm forgetting? Um, I think you gotta acknowledge that Mother's Day is this weekend. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. To all the moms. Especially mine, but she probably won't hear this. And if she does, it'll be much later. And she's not going to like it. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you, Mom. All right. Happy Mother's Day. I I hope you guys like the podcast. I'm tired. This is We did this one at nighttime, and I'm not used to nighttime podcasting or speaking, really. This is normally my non-speaking time, so I did my best. I tried my best. We're going to go put a, a a little toddler to bed. Nah, that's a lie. She's not a toddler. No, she's five, four, four, five, six. <laughs> she's, she? she's middle-aged, child-wise. Gosh. <clears throat> no, but putting her to bed still feels a little toddlerish. You want to just go in her room and lay down. Last night, she laid on the couch and screamed for <laughs> half an hour in the middle of the night. And she's old enough that we're both just like, just stop Shut crying. Shut up. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
You didn't really say that. I wanted to, though. We did tell her to stop crying. We said stop. Yeah. We don't use shut up. I try not to. But sometimes it, it just means something different than be quiet. It's, be quiet means lower your volume. Shut up means stop talking immediately. Shut up is a bad word in my classroom. It is in a classroom. I have but not in my car. it as a bad word, as profanity for so much of my career that now when I hear somebody say it, it, it like gives me a jolt. It's completely rude. Like, <gasps> yeah, like it's not polite. said that. Yeah. 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 It's like once I said crap and a group of kids went... <gasps> And I was like, oh, crap, it's a bad weird word here. And I can never remember that one. It's it's That's one I use to substitute for real swear words. Right. Because you didn't say this is a load of shit. You, yeah. Um, we got to be better about not swearing with the kids around, though. <laughs> they are starting to swear bad. Today, right as you walked in the house from dropping off Elsa, you open the front door and walk in, and Amelia's got the headset on, the Oculus. Hits a golf swing. She's like, God damn it. I chipped it into the rocks. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, oh, that's she my bad. She said that so well. And she said it with kind of like a, a golfer swagger. Like, Have you been hanging out at a country club? <laughs> yes. She's surprisingly good at that Oculus. That she so takes good. to it really fast. Anyway, yeah, let's go hang out with our family. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Without further ado... Here's part two of Farting Through Sill with Mooch Smith. Shahalis, there was a kid of mine that uh, rolled his ankle in the regional game to go to state, and he um, needed treatment. What did I do? I found this health or this health center up at Thorbeck's gym in Shahalis, and um, he went up there and got they. Well, I don't know what the hell you call it, but they wrap it around your ankle and it's cold water and pressure. And he hopped out of there and called me and said. It feels like it's new again. We don't have that stuff down here. Yeah. Even in Astoria, we don't have that. You can't even get like a um, ice bath no. or, a, or a, you know, they have those, um, what are they, the pressure chambers, um, hyperbaric chambers. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff no. that athletes use in uh, the um, Floyd The Floyd Mayweather did it. Um, the CO2, it's not CO2, it's um, where you stand in there and it goes minus. Oh, yeah, that's uh, uh, hyperbaric. Yeah. No, 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 no hyperbaric. No. Um I'm drawing a blank, but I know exactly. It's what you're like it's about. like negative cryogenic. Yeah, the cryogenic. It gets chambers. like negative thirty degrees, and it's like it's more than that. It's like a negative a hundred yeah. degrees or something crazy. And, and you go there for one minute or two minutes. And then when I, when that kid went there, he sent me pictures of the place, and I go, "Hey, that's one of those." I mean, I wish cryo chambers. Yeah, I wish we had one of those here. Rogan talks about those. Yeah, and so they get so much more opportunity. And when you really think about it, if there's a camp in Tacoma, and you live in Napa Vine. Not that far. Not that far. Yeah, I five is a quick, quick little jaunt yeah. up the. Up or you got to go to Portland. Well, and then this the plane in the summer leagues and 
sports become year round. I mean, there's they, it, they it's the big totally difference do. is of, between you and I is we didn't even know that crap was out there. Yeah, and it has been the AAU teams, and especially with COVID, COVID put a hit, a big hit, in high school sports. Yeah, and education. Because why would you want your oh, so Elsa runner? It's, it's an individual sport, it's and it's running. You can do it so, anywhere. So okay, let's, baseball, Sawyer, baseball's big in Sawyer's world, correct? Very, very yes. So why would you want to play in our league or in Waco's league and face seventy five, seventy eight miles an hour, and or would you rather go play for this AAU team? where they're bringing it 85, 86 miles an hour every day. Assuming you're, you, your you're, kid has the skills. Yes. Yeah. And and it's it's just better competition. It's just better It's better competition every single day. And that's what you need to get to if you have that drive to get to the next level. It comes to a point where you have to balance opportunities in sports with uh, everything else in their whole yeah. life. Yeah. Because, like, you can choose to – like, I have really athletic kids. They're, they're not my biological children, so I don't get the credit so I can talk about it as much as I want because yeah. they're fucking amazing. And I, I want to help them as much as possible, but I also don't want them to miss out on having a regular life. Like the the travel to to two hours or three hours away twice a week, we, we have not done that, but we've – I mean – I don't even know how you could do that. It feels like we are driving somewhere for baseball, basketball, well, running, right. dance every day. But um, but you're right that without that like availability of those services right up next to where you live, right. you you have to make a choice. Yeah, it's an opportunity cost. The one thing about sports is like you talked about like a regular life and stuff like that. The one thing about sports is like when I found out I when I went to college and played baseball, it was you automatically. You don't got to be a loner. I mean, exactly. you, you don't have to be like you talk about missing out. Yes. Some of the things that we did, they're going to miss out on. But they naturally, they just organically have that new friend group automatically by playing baseball. That's so true. Like when, or playing any sport. When I went to college, didn't know anybody, you know, but I automatically had 30 guys that were my friends. They become your family. Yeah. It's like you get so tight. You're doing everything together. Yeah. Everything, you know, and. Especially in sports because it's keeping you from making bad choices too. Yeah. So the friends that you would get at parties, which yeah. are not real friends. Yeah. They're party friends. You don't have those. You yeah. end up having people that you're waking up at six in the morning to go do a lift or, yeah. you know, you're going for a run in the afternoons. Like you have good quality relationships with yeah. quality people. Yep. It is a good thing. And those are. I mean, they they struggle the same way you struggle. They put in the gr they they grind just like you grind. Yeah, it's, it's and you're doing it's a shared goal. You guys are all trying to just do this thing as a team. Well, the thing it's about powerful. and I one example of this is so okay. We didn't have much of a baseball summer program at Awako. Did we have one? We it I was, was never invited. It was kind of a, it was a, it was kind of a joke, but I went and played for Napa, mm -hmm. and I'd say that I'm closer with those guys now than I ever was, you know, outside of school. Mm -hmm. Like nowadays, like my best friend's Donald Pitts. You know, we don't hang out very often because we've got lives and two kids. And and he's a friend you met in baseball. And, and now for another team. You know, and so, but we call each other once a week and that's all I need. I don't need to talk to people very That's often. quite a bit for a grown-up friendship. I know. You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I... 
people. It's so, so hard to keep friends as a grown up. No, it like, is. It's impossible unless you see them at work. Like, yeah. It's really, it takes a lot of extra You know, effort. and tell you the honest truth, as older I get, the less time I need to hang out with people. Yeah. Is that? That's true. I mean, I do like to hang out with people and stuff like that every once in a while, but I'm so busy that I just want to come home yeah. on the weekend. Just, hang out with your kids and your wife. Like just sit there, you know? I, I just, I have so much going on in my head that I, I, I find myself feeling like I'm wasting my time when I'm just sitting somewhere, yeah. even though I know it's good for me and I know I'm, yeah. I'm actually enjoying this. Like I have this, I was at the track meet just the other day and I had watched Elsa's first three events. And then there was like an hour long break before her last event, which was the 800, which she ended up winning and I missed. But just to sit there for that extra hour, I could not stop my brain from just being like, you're just going to sit here for an hour in the middle of the fucking day? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. I got up and left, and I, I went back to work. Tell you the honest truth, I can check out. Really? Like, I really can. Like, um, and it's not physically. I'm not doing anything physically, like, during the week. But mentally, I mean, baseball season and softball season is a mess to reschedule. is a mess. Oh, my God. Scheduling, scheduling stuff is so hard. And, and then dealing with, like, I go in with a list every Monday, like, what I got to get done that I haven't done on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I just go right in there and I start checking shit off. Yeah. But the thing about it, no one tells you, you got to add about 50 other things that you got to do. All the people that call you while you're making your list. And stuff like that. And uh, so I, when I'm done for the week, I can turn it off. I can turn it off. That is a skill. And uh, you know, but you're, we're talking about our kids playing sports. The best thing that ever ever that I ever went through is uh, my kid. You now I have a four, just turned four and just turned eight. Um, my son's starting to play sports. I absolutely love that. It's I, so fun. I, I, you can take the best day of my life in athletics and it doesn't even compare. Like, so I started a football league out or was one of the persons that started a football league out in Nacelle and we played flag football this year and just watching my son. And, and, He's just, he's coachable. I mean, he's just, okay, dad. Was that kind of a cool feeling, starting that league for your kid to play in after your dad started a league for you to play in? It was. That's and, cool, and, man. And the cool part was, is our sponsor was Co-Charters. That's awesome. So, um, and watching him, but watching him play, and he's naturally mean. I mean, he's the nicest kid in the world. But he's football mean? But he's football mean. That's good. And, and one time... <laughs> And my kid is eight years old, just turned eight, and he's about five foot, 130 pounds. He's a big, smiley kid. Yeah. Looks like a happy boy. And uh, the thing about it is, so he was going against a kid, and he was on the line, and he just pushed him back, and the other coach goes, come on, whatever. He ain't that tough. And my kid looked at me, and uh, after the play, and I go, okay. This is the natural competitive of me. I go, show him how tough you are. Yeah. And next play just drove him into the ground. Probably something you shouldn't say as I think that was day. the right thing to say. And um, it just drove him in the ground and got off of him. And There are some things that are best communicated physically. Yeah. And and the, the other coach was the dad. Goes, your son shoved my kid in the ground. I go, wrong kid to say that he's not that good. Yeah. I mean, but that's, Peyton is naturally competitive. But he's not going to hurt somebody on no, purpose. No. Yeah. He's, and he's, uh, now, 
you I can say naturally competitive, but that's how he was raised. Yeah. His mom is meaner than I am. That's still naturally competitive. You're you know? you're a natural creation of your parents. Yeah. Like it's all natural. And um but uh anything he does, I just wherever he goes, one hundred percent support and I just love watching him play. Now the younger kid, Easton, he is more I would say Peyton's gonna be the kid that's gonna be always big and and I mean, the kid's rated to be six 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 eight. Wow. And he's always going to be big, and he's always going to work hard. Um, I can just picture that, unless he just gets fat and lazy. But right now, he's just a workaholic. Mm-hmm. The younger kid is going to be the naturally gifted one. And he's got to get a little bit older if you see how his work ethic and stuff. He's like got that. The, the, something about him. He's just got, he's in the natural, he's going to be the, probably the baseball player, uh, baseball or basketball player. Peyton's going to come at you football wise and he's going to be a Shaq style basketball player. Easton's going to be the more finesse, mm-hmm. just finesse one. That's how it was with me and my brother. Yeah. I was, I was like, I was okay at sports and stuff, but Jake was, Jake had that little extra something. Like he he was just um, a little bit tougher in some ways, a little bit faster or or more coordinated. I don't know what it was exactly, but like I was enough older than him to s- dominate him in yeah. most things. But in his um, amongst his peers, he was he was a little bit better. But Peyton Peyton is like I said, the work ethic wise, mm-hmm. he's got a work ethic like no other. That's like, the most important thing. So in the summertime when we're fishing, he cares about money. Yeah, I mean already, and that's Gotta not make that paper. That's and that's exactly right. That's his mindset. Mm-hmm. He in the last two summers, he's made over three grand. Wow! And not by going out on the boat. He just every day he's down at that those boats throwing them ropes to tie up. He asks the people, "Hey, hey, sir, hey, ma'am," which I still still think is important. I know you're not very sorry. much. Uh, I'm still a yes sir, no sir, ma- or no ma'am kind of person. And he's down there. Can I carry your fish up? Can I hang your fish up for a picture? I'll take your picture. And they just get. That's great. Give him what he's an entrepreneur. And so, funny story about him is so he wanted a four wheeler. So he gets all this money saved up, and we're gonna go over and or I'm gonna go over and buy him a four wheeler uh, with his money. But what I was gonna do is I was just gonna pocket his money and pay for it myself, and then put it in his bank account. Yeah. And um, we get the four wheeler up to the counter. He goes, Dad, I I I don't want this. And I go, Are You sure? He goes, Yeah, I just want to save my money. Okay. He had a free four-wheeler from me. Oh, no. You didn't just buy it anyway? No, I didn't buy it anyway. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and so. Uh, he, that's really impressive, actually, I that, just that never he had it. that self-control. Yeah. And yeah. he makes his mom, like in the summertime, he makes his mom check the bank account online, make sure nothing's gotten stolen or nothing's been changed. He's, mm-hmm. he's no just, major hacks. Yeah. He's going to be my millionaire kid if there that's is. That's cool. One. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like you guys are doing a good job with those kids. We're trying. Is your dad very involved as a grandparent? How's he doing as a grandpa? Oh. Seems like he'd be great. I have the two best parents, grandparents, their grandparents that you could ever ask for. Your dad's really involved with local fisheries and being an advocate for fisheries. He's federal now. He's uh, He sits on the PFMC, Pacific Fishery Management Council. He goes to Washington, D.C. Yeah. and lobbies to decision yeah. makers. You ever think you'll get involved in that kind of stuff? I don't know. I, I, it's important I around here. Yeah, it is. And, um, no, he's, I swear to God, if they did, still did um, phone bills by how many minutes you talk on the phone, that guy's on the phone 
probably five hours a day. That's no exaggeration. If those people weren't doing that, though, yeah. your dad, Dale Beasley, and yeah. many, many others, but we'd have a real struggle ahead yeah. of us as far as our community goes yeah. with making sure we have fish to catch. Yeah, he sits on the PFMC board, which is uh, selected by the governor. Then he uh, is on that Orca task force and a whole bunch of shit that I don't even know. I just sit there and listen to the phone calls. Mm. You know, I've listened to them since I was a kid. If it was any other industry, how many, how much he he talks on the phone and and goes to meetings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he'd be a multimillionaire. I mean, <laughs> he'd be a lobbyist for a big oil company, basically. That's what I compare it to. Yeah, and no, he's keeps him going. I mean, it's it's basically the work he has to do sticking up for an industry that yeah. people don't quite understand yeah. and it and it's gets a lot of pushback yeah it's all ha- it's basically it's all hatchery production we just need to produce fish yeah i think so that's, too that's all there is to it but somehow that's a very controversial opinion yeah um there has been no natural run coho or chinook since the 50s why isn't that acknowledged uh we try but you have groups that don't want that uh you have one big group um uh, I'm just not going to be controversial. But um, you have one big group that was started by Big Oil from Texas. And um, and it's affecting this state heavily. Because they want to do so uh, energy stuff? No, 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 no. So, well, kind of, sort of, but not. So what, what this group does is because they were started by Big Oil and stuff like that, they've killed fisheries in the Gulf. So Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, all that. And what it is, is so private fishermen, so you get your own boat, you go fishing. Um, sport? Sport. Um, if an oil tanker comes up the Columbia River and spills, spills, then um, you can't sue for loss of enjoyment. Now, charter, commercial, they can sue for a loss of income. So that is that main group's. But if they're not allowed to fish there. Yes. There's no problem. There's no problem. And there's lots of room for industry. Yeah. Now they will yeah. back that. They will say, oh, we're for hatchery production. We're for uh, um, oh, uh, pinniped uh, alleviation and stuff like that. But you got to look at their roots. Yeah. That's why they're doing that. You know, so. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. That's that's corrupt. And, and, and the thing about it is, I just don't understand. Well, this is just. I guess no, it's not corrupt. That's economics, but yeah. it's that's pretty brutal. Simple, simple Joe, that's a like a guideboat guy, um, or above the Longview Bridge, they look at that. Oh, they're looking out for sports fishermen and, and and guides and stuff like that. What they're, they're looking out for their bottom line. Yeah, they're not look. They just get they just get a following and they don't know what they're following. That's almost, it's a classic story. They're, they're, they pit the sport fishermen against the commercial fishermen as yeah. if that's the real battle yeah. when they're really all the same people. We have to work together. They're we, all fishermen. Yeah, and, and if thing, people don't understand or don't realize, and I don't understand that, if, now I could be off on my statistics, so I'm just going to make it simple for me because I can't do math. 20% of the fish that's caught is caught by rod and reel people, private. All right, me too. You include my industry in that too. Charter. Charter. 80% of the fish are caught by commercial. So that being said, if you eliminate commercial fishing, fisheries, do you think hatcheries are going to produce the same amount of fish? No, because the commercial guys don't need fish anymore. So they're going to drop that number and we'll have shittier seasons than we've had in the past. 
you want our economy to flourish from top to bottom in this area or up and down the West Coast, you produce fish. There's, there's and no do you want to eat fish? That's a really a big question yeah. that people don't seem to like. Not everybody fishes, fish? but they like salmon. Exactly. Do you want to eat fish? Yeah. You got to let us fish. Yeah. And, and the best example of what hatchery production does, San Francisco or the San Francisco area. And in my lifetime was like, you just don't go fishing down there. They fish weird. They don't catch fish. They have some of the best in the last five years, some of the best king fishery. Really? Ever because they produce fish and they do it the right way. My God, they produce smolts and they grow them in hatcheries or however they do it in hatcheries. They, they run them down the river. They load them in a truck. They load them in a truck. Like how they put it. Uh, like stocking a trout yeah, pond. Yes, exactly right. They back them right up. And the San Francisco Bridge is right in the background where they release them. They release them at night so there's no birds or uh, predators or anything like that. And they drop them right in the San Francisco Bay. That seems like a good system. And and we could do that. And and when you look at it, so the return rate is less than 1% or, uh, in Washington, in Oregon. And then you look at their return rate, it's like 2% or over 2% or something like that. And... Um, they uh, they have a cesspool for a river compared to the Columbia, so it's just it's just we could be. I, what it affects is people that want to get into our industry that can't, because we cannot count on the season. I was born and raised into this, mm-hmm. and it is a big risk even for me to want to go buy a boat. If you're looking at half a million dollars for a boat, if I could count on a season every year, that's good. Which you could in the 70s. Uh, 90s. Or, Not now. Or 80s, yeah. So, um, and before that, before the Bolt decision, yeah. Yeah, you could. What's the Bolt decision? It's where they split the fishery. So 50% went to non-native fisheries. And, oh, okay. And the other 50% went to native fisheries. Gotcha. So, so like tribal stuff? Yeah. Okay. And and there's, and they're included with us. We all got to work together. Yeah. That's all, the thing. All that's, that's over with. And the people that still hold on to that are are idiots. We have to all work together for, uh, I mean, to produce fish. Yeah. And I mean, and that's what they're trying to do, that group. Hatcheries they're, are amazing. They should just let them go wild. Just let yeah. them really put out a lot of yeah. fish. Each hatchery, I think, produced over a million fish. The better person to have in here about that is my dad, because I don't know the exact numbers. He could rattle off the numbers. I actually should ask him to come in here. Yeah. I've thought about getting him or Dale Beasley. They both are just Dale's more crab knowledge. Dale's more the crabbing industry. My dad's more just salmon, salmon and sturgeon and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So I admire both of them. Yeah. Um, and others too, but particularly them because I I just see them so consistently mm-hmm. speaking out on behalf of the local fisheries. It's it's good to see. Yeah. I want. I think Sawyer is should do that. Like yeah. he, growing up here and being so plugged in with the fishing community, I always tell, he wants to be a fisherman. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if you are going to be a commercial fisherman or even even a sport fisherman, you should also be a lobbyist because yeah. you're going to have a fight ahead of you. Yeah. It's just part of the, part of the game now. Well, that is, um, that's what was my, that's what I was going to be. A fisherman? Or, no, a lobbyist. Oh, a lobbyist. Yeah. That's what I had plans and uh, especially for the teaching world, but- a lot of the teaching union stuff and stuff like that, um, we differ on like what should be done and how oh, we should yeah. do it and political wise and stuff like that. Unions are tricky. Yeah. Very. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, they are. Good and bad. Yes, very good. But they're so strong. It's like yeah. but teachers but unions, police unions. But we're not, uh, teachers unions. We're, we're the biggest union in the state, and I think maybe the country now. Um, we're not that strong. I mean, we just, I don't know. We have a strong reputation. We have strong reputation, but we don't get anything. Really? Basically. I mean, oh, the change of pay and the added, the added uh, FTE per teacher or per student and that was supposed to go to teachers. It wasn't done very well. Like four years ago? Yeah. It, it, it set school district versus school district. Yeah. Instead of if you really want, well, Why did they do it that way? Now, I don't know if this is true or not because I was negotiating our contract, which was a um, hard thing to do, was uh, it's... I talked to Representative Walsh in it at the time, and he, and I asked him, I go, why didn't they just set up salary schedule from the state level? Mm -hmm. And what I got from him was um, because the, our union wanted it to be local. For cost of living? Yeah, negotiations, which I think, boy, that hurt us because we just, we looked at Ocean Beach, what they got, and then we're trying to fight for that, and it's just not possible out there. But- I mean, I was just like anybody else. No, we can get this too. No, we really can't. But that's, you, know? you have to take that attitude yeah. if you're fighting for your people. Yeah. Otherwise you'll never get so, shit. And I'm never doing that again. I can tell you that. That was just. That's a, that's a really big job to take on. Yeah. And so, but if it would just made everything more simpler, if they just would have allocated the 68,000 or whatever, you know, 68,500 and something to, uh, that it goes to each and then spread it over a salary schedule. And just made it from the state. So no one fought. It just went yeah. through. That would be easier process. But then when it came to actually using the money, it would be a lot harder for somebody in Seattle to live on that than it would be for somebody. In well, they get incentives. They get incentives from the school district mm, as yeah. well. To, to make up to the difference. Because we couldn't, I couldn't live in Bellevue Yeah, teach there. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I don't. You'd have, to get, you'd have to make twice as much money. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that was. That uh, gets complicated fast. Yeah, it does. Oh, I have a couple um, sports questions that are mm -hmm. very controversial that I wanted to get your opinion on because I have one, but I don't know. I'm not into sports enough to really know if my opinion is valid. But um, the first one is the NCAA allowing athletes to make money off of their, their endorsements now, which is a very new thing. And it's been said forever that the NCAA takes advantage of athletes because they're making millions and millions of dollars off ticket sales and merchandise, especially the merchandise is the, is the shit that it's like, you're selling toys of these kids and they can't make any money off of their image. That seems very bad to me. So they've changed that. And now that the athletes are allowed to uh, get endorsement deals and, and, you know, take money from Nike and things like that. What do you think about all that? It's a tough one. It really... Yeah. I think that $40,000 a year scholarship that you're getting is enough. Um, I would not. They don't all get it. No. Only the don't. really, really good ones. Yeah, but if you're really, really good at that high level, you're going to get it. Also, they're not making toys out of the guys who aren't getting the yeah. scholarships. And so I want to say that the scholarship is enough. They're, they are... It's just a, it's just a tough with endorsements though. It's not, it's not through the school. The yeah, school's but, not paying. But them. you're putting, then you're putting a unfair advantages on the to the Alabamas, the SCs, you know, UW and or Oregon really now in the Pacific Northwest. You're not going to have competition anymore. 
when when Nick Saban comes out and says his quarterback or whoever was making a million dollars a year now because of endorsements, there's it's it's not it's not uh, amateur sports anymore. Oh, because then it, it changes the competition with yeah. who what teams he'll go to yeah, and things why, like that. And and so. What will happen? What will be the, the end result of that? Will the end like result, all the talent will go. Condense the talent yeah. into one place? More than it is already. Mm-hmm. Why would you, hell, probably a third string quarterback, if he just puts that A on his helmet for Alabama, is going to make more money than a good starting quarterback at Oregon State? Yeah. Or Wazoo. But isn't that just life? Isn't that every, yes, every no. professional realm? You are 100% right. But it's amateur sports, they're going to school. Um, now I understand that some of most of those athletes wouldn't be at that school if it wasn't for sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the ones that are getting these endorsement deals are most likely not, I mean, they're most likely going to go on to, you know, the next level. But we only hear of the endorsement deals of the big dames. Yeah. We don't hear of the endorsement deals like Barstool Sports. Dave Portnoy said, Anybody that wants to call me and be endorsed by Barcelona Sports, just let me know, and he'll endorse them. Mm-hmm. So who knows? You, I just think it's a paper trail problem. How do? How are you gonna? Um, even if there is still rules that you can't get paid and stuff, how are you gonna follow that? Yeah. How are you gonna? Well, um, Ford out of Tallahassee, Tennessee, gave me a car, but now I'm sponsored by him. There is some conflicts of interest that yeah. could happen because of it. I think this, I, well, I think it's stupid in the sense we should, they should have said, we'll give you more, we'll allow you to have a job in college while you play, or we'll allow you to. Even uh, if that job is as a spokesperson for Nike? Well, it, they would probably have to set limits on how much they can make. Then the NCAA should set limits on them fucking selves. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're making so much money. That's true. I, I, it's just such it a. Should, I feel like it's a team. The NCAA is the athletes, the coaches, the schools, and the organization itself. Mm-hmm. As a team, they should share the wealth. They're making so much money, and the people who are doing the work don't get any of it. Yeah. But how? But um, the consumer drives how much they make. Yeah. If That's the, true. So the, it's a. It's the a consumer. consumer they can just stop yeah. watching if they the, won't. No, they won't. They never will. It's just like the argument of. Uh, you're not paying your players in the NFLs as much as you need, or they're no. The big argument is they're overpaid. These overpaid. I hear both arguments. The, these overpaid people that just play sports. No consumer drives that. If you yeah. want to stop that, quit watching football. Yeah. Quit advertising on their networks and stuff like that. Their job is fucking hard. Also. Yeah. They deserve and, to make and money. And so I am. When people say, "Oh, they make too much money," I don't think that. that well, great. That's what you think. It's economics, but they're paid for what their value is. But three hundred million people in America say no. Yeah, they're casting a vote with their yeah. dollars. Yeah, and they're it's saying exactly this is right. how much this is worth. Yeah, and I think that is different in the sense where the NCAA is. You're trying to get an education because what less than one percent go pro. Yeah, it's pretty small. So you have to have an education to fall back on that. Mm-hmm. And they do try to promote that part of it. Like if they, you go to schools where the, the yeah, NCAA, they, they have big banners and everything. It's it's all about I, academics I think, and sports. And I, I'm not, I mean, real life, I'm big competition wise person, but it is going to make a big unfair advantage. Boise State or somebody like that will never have the success they have if they 
do this. Yeah. Or I mean, continue to do this. I think there just needs to be on this part, they're amateur athletes. They're trying to get, go pro, let them have jobs, let them have extra money in the sense, like for food and, and stuff like that, but don't. Yeah. Okay. So I was a college athlete. You were a college athlete. Were you guys club or varsity? No, we were varsity. I was a club sport and we rowing, had- right? Yeah. Okay. And they had, we also had a, a varsity women's rowing team, but the men's team was club. Mm-hmm. So I had an interesting perspective on this whole thing because we weren't NCAA. Mm-hmm. So we're club and zero funding whatsoever. The girls team, they were NCAA and also they were winning national championships. They were Where'd you go? studs. Western Washington. Okay. A lot of the guys on my team were very jealous of the girls team. It's like they had sweet jackets and oh, like yeah. all their shit was paid for. And it's like we had to pay for our own clothes, pay for our own trips. We like all of that. You know how it goes. And I, it just, it made sense to me. I was like, we're not bringing in money to the school. So we should probably have to pay for this stuff. Be, um, the, be better and get on a program that. Well, it does that stuff. At Western, they had been on a varsity program and they got in trouble before I was there. Oh, they removed yeah. their varsity status and blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. But my point is just that like- Houston and rowing. <laughs> they, well, they, actually, I think it was bad, just bad behavior. Oh. They were like waking people up by being, being too loud on the lake or something. Because uh, you practice at five in their, the morning. They removed their varsity. Yeah. It was like multiple years of this happening. And then some guy like mooned the president of the university. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened. But um, my point is just that the girls' team brought in Revenue. money. Yeah. Like, they brought money, and, and they got notoriety for the school. They deserve to get perks for that, and, and I, I didn't really feel that bad about it. I don't remember where I was going with that. Well, football, in most cases, at a big university, pays for all the other sports. All the sports, yeah. yeah. Now, if you go to North Carolina or Kentucky or something like that, then it's basketball, basketball or UConn. But uh, football pays for everything. And, um, brings in a lot of eyeballs. Yeah. People want to watch football. Um, and that's exactly, and it pays for a lot of buildings being built and it pays for people enrolling in that school. I mean, look at the 30 for 30 Miami documentary on ESPN. Magically buildings started going up. The enrollment went up when the football team was winning. Yeah. Cause it's flash and dance and then everything like that. And people are talking about it across the whole country. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I would, I even have, I'm kind of, I can't even say I'm against it because he's getting his own money wise, but they are amateur sports. They are there for education, quote unquote, but because of title nine and, and thing like that, you have to spread the wealth. So football's not getting to balance a sports or athletic budget at that level. To my understanding, you have to have football or a basketball. Yeah, that's something that that makes money. Or it's just going to go. Yeah. Yeah, Western actually cut their football program the year I started there. So that would have been, I remember because you were our rival and we always played at Safe, or Quest Field, or not Quest Field anymore, Seahawk Field. Yeah, what is it now? CenturyLink. CenturyLink, yeah. Is it CenturyLink? I don't know. I think they changed it again. I'll Google it. We'll put a ding in here. Originally called Seahawk Stadium, it was renamed Quest Field in June 2004 when telecom giant Quest acquired naming rights. In June 2011, it was renamed CenturyLink Field following CenturyLink's acquisition of Quest. In November 2020, CenturyLink relaunched their brand under the name Lumen Technologies and the Seahawk Stadium has been known as Lumen Field ever since. Um, um, the next question I have is controversial. But to answer your question on that, yeah. that's, uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Because I can it see is. where they're coming from. 
But that's why it was a debate for so long before yeah. there was ever a decision on it. Because it's easy to see both sides. Yeah. And it really comes down to what what is the NCAA for? Like, yeah. And it's why, for why don't we just student go athletes? Why don't we just go semi pro? Exactly. That's what it becomes you when know, you do it that take, way. Take out the rules and regulations. You got to play two years and or like for football, it's two years, one and done for basketball. But uh, take those regulations out. Let them go play in Europe and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's totally fine. But if yeah. that is the case, then we need to reinvest the profits into the students or the schools yeah. or something, maybe reduce tuition for all the students who aren't in sports. By, well, that's by a controversial taking... topic. You don't offer easy government loans for school and you'll drive down price. Yeah. Because it does, it takes the competition wise. Think, oh, if you want to move it. You can... No, you're good. You're good. Okay. But, and you don't have to put this in here because it's controversial or it's just my thinking is well, there's a big difference between when our grandparents and even our dads went to school of cost of education. Oh God. Because you, you could have a job and pay for a quarter of school yeah, or each quarter of school. Yeah. But when you give easy loans that are guaranteed and um, schools don't have to compete with one another anymore. Yeah. They're getting their money. You just come here. Uh, just, the, no the competition. To drive government loaning money for school. I, I, I don't even know what to think about it anymore because I wouldn't have been able to go to college without it. But at the same time, I'm still in debt. Almost the same level I was when I graduated. It's yeah. barely paid down. Well, it's this is like kind of a dual-edged sword because, okay, you get to go to college, but what you would still get to go to college back in the day if you just got a job. Yeah. Or paid for it. Or a scholarship. Yeah. You know, they still offered scholarships and financial aid and stuff like that. Also, college was one-fourth the cost that it is now. Yeah. This is that, that's a, because of that. Yeah. In my mind, because of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, well, why wouldn't they? College, think if you're an administrator at a college- if and you just have to tell the government what you need, and yeah. then you they'll give it to you because it's subsidized, yeah. or they'll yeah. they'll give the students the loans to meet. Like if you make tuition this much, the government will fill it in. My my buddy who's a sixty five teacher out there, he goes, I could work at a grocery store stocking shelves and pay for my year of schooling at Western Washington, same school you went to, mm-hmm. and. Which is still affordable. Yeah, we we couldn't do that compared to a lot of we other places. We couldn't do that now. Hell no. You I know? took a I took one semester off to work and save up, and I didn't even have close to enough to I pay got, for. I it. got two years paid for for baseball mm-hmm. apartment, everything like that. I didn't have to work. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to not do that, but um, couldn't do that now. It's I mean, gotten way harder. Five grand, it was I think it was three grand for a quarter at community college. And then it was about five grand a quarter at Central. Yeah. I mean. It's got to be more now. Oh, yeah. And the cost of living is way higher and jobs pay the exact same amount. Yeah. And the people, the, um, you know, the people that paid that amount for college back, I mean, include inflation and money co- or money um, worth, uh, were the Harvards, the USC's, the Notre Dame's, you know, Ivy League schools. Because they had the reputation. They had the yeah, name. Yeah, you're buying the name. And, and rich people bought it. Yeah. You know, to go there. And it's a good investment. It's a good investment. But every other school you could afford. I mean, especially like Washington, Wazoo, they were state schools. Yeah. That's what they're for. That's what they're for. And you can't afford it. I mean, it's at least 30 grand to go to UW a year. The middle class has been priced out of universities and it sucks. That's why they're there in the state schools are for the middle class yeah. and they're not especially anymore. Especially like Oregon State, Washington, the one that says state. Yeah. In the middle. The whole CSU system. Yeah. Not not the the CUs, not like you you I mean the UCs, not like Berkeley, yeah. Yeah. but the CSUs, Humboldt yeah. State University. Yeah. Those yeah. ones. Yeah. 
it's it's I bet that's still unaffordable for most people on, yeah. without massive loans. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you deregulate loans, I guess you'd say, and let them compete again. They'd drive down price just like anything. Yeah. And that's I that's a libertarian view. Yeah. Where you just remove the government from that situation yeah. and, and let it balance out. And people would suffer in the short term. Uh, and eventually, though, it might, it might lead to some large-scale changes that were positive. Oh, and I think it, yeah, I 100% agree. Okay, I want to ask you about this last thing, and it's 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 a really tough issue. So um, I'm not going to ask you what your opinion is on it. I'm going to ask you where you think it's going. Trans athletes, especially in track and field and weightlifting. I thought you might ask me this question before. It's I important. So, dude, just let me hear. Get, let me get my question out. I don't want to hear your opinion on it okay. because it's not a moral issue to me. And it's not uh, it's not about the individuals. It's about the system as a whole. Where do you think that leads down the road with allowing and not allowing trans athletes to compete in their new gender versus making them compete in their birth gender? It feels like things are getting out of control and we're going to fuck something up if we're not careful. It's a tough one. Yeah, um, in my position, no comment. Oh, come on, man. I'll cut it out if you don't want it. But I want to know your actual opinion. Like, what is going... What? what? I Listen, let me say... Let me state ahead of time. I love everybody. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. I, I, Including the people who are, who are undergoing transitions and who want to still do sports, I think they need to be able to do sports. I'm trying to say we got to figure out a way that's fair for everybody and how that can happen. And I don't... I, I don't think we've got it yet. <laughs> no comment. And that's where it's going to stand. mm so I had a couple things that I was going to bring up that were just like uh, memories from our childhood, times when you were a dick to me. And I was going to read them uh, because they actually stuck in my head over the years. We were friends from a yeah. young age, but like you were a year ahead of me and you were just so outgoing that you were intimidating. I don't even know if you realized that, but I don't. you were an intimidating guy for a younger person. So I was going to just tell you about these times that, that actually affected me negatively and see, see uh, I, I thought it would be funny and to see your reaction, but I'm realizing now that you grew up into such a nice fucking dude. <laughs> you're a good guy. I can tell by the way you talk about your job and you talk about these kids, you're making a positive impact on the world. And I want to give you props for that. Well, here it is. If I was, because you don't see this as a kid. You no. Know, you don't. If I was ever mean. Oh, I'll still tell you exactly what you uh, said. Uh, oh, you, okay. Uh, the point was just like kids are assholes. Yeah. But uh, I really think that you turned into a really nice guy. And Thanks. you were a nice guy then too, but yeah. your filter was was set to low. Yeah. Uh, um, so I'll just tell you. The, the first one, it was in, you were in eighth grade. I was in seventh. And so this is, this is probably the height of uh, when I was intimidated by you. Your whole class actually. Cause oh, okay. Joe- you, yeah. you guys all had pubes. We, my class, we were still 13. We still didn't have shit. And uh, remember we were, we'd have to like change under the stadium in that old, remember, moldy yeah. ass, yeah. Uh, like yeah. old stacks of rusty weights and stuff around. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't even stand up all the way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was like, not afraid of you guys, but barely, barely talk. Yeah, intimidated. I, yeah. Yeah. And I had um, the Andy Cutkins class. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you, Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is before I actually knew how hard I could work. So, and this is honestly one of the events that made me realize that. 
every practice ends in wind sprints, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a work ethic, you can half-ass those wind sprints. Mm-hmm. And because the coach wants to go home, the rest of your team wants to go home, they'll let you get away with it mm-hmm. most of the time. And that's what I would do. I would half-ass the wind sprints. And because I was just so ready to go home, didn't think anyone noticed it. I was fat. No one's paying attention yeah. to me. They expected me to last. And um, I was walking off the field after practice, and I was like cheery and chatting and uh, chatting with um, Ben Widener. <laughs> Do you remember Ben? I remember the name. I can't picture the face. They called him Bulldozer or Little Bulldozer. He was like a, a chubby guy. He was super nice, really quiet, though. And me and him were chatting as we walked off the field, and I was telling him how um, I didn't really run that hard because everything hurts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if it's just because I'm fat or what, but my ankles hurt, my knees hurt, my hips hurt, my back hurts. Literally, everything hurts. And I, I'm not. And I, I'm, I was like, Have you ever noticed when? And you turned around. You, you were walking right before <laughs> me, and you turned around and you cut me off, and you said, Have you ever noticed that you are always half-assing it on the wind sprints? And I was just like, he knows. And I was like, uh, and I didn't respond really. And then you just like, if you just gave a, a half as much effort into running as you do to running your mouth, you'd be a lot better. And I was crushed. And I don't, I do not remember that. Now that I'm actually doing this, I feel yeah. like I shouldn't have done this, but I didn't, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, yeah. but it, I was upset. It like fucked with me for, years uh-huh. um, and it would get in my head when I was doing sprints and things like that and depending on who's around and it would honestly make me run harder and by the time I was sophomore in high school I was first second third I was one of the first people done with wind sprints and I was a lineman and it was because I didn't want people like you to call me out on being a lazy fuck <laughs> and uh, so take that as you will but it, it ended up having a very positive impact later down the road and um, I, I just didn't really, I don't know. I didn't really hold it against you per, mm. it, per se. I held it against myself because you were actually right. But just like that bluntness of, of just yeah. saying that out loud, I was just like shocked it, shocked me. And um, <laughs> that's, I uh, don't, I don't, well, I hope it helped. It did uh, in mean, the long run, it honestly did. But I, I just wanted yeah. to tell you, I didn't, I don't. You're, you've impressed me with how mature and like thoughtful and caring of a person you became. I've had a lot of people on this show now. Mm -hmm. Most people don't think like that. Most, I I talk to a lot of people and I study humans. Mm -hmm. I just, so I can understand them. And most people do not care. They don't. And you do. I do. And I I appreciate that. You know, the, you, you bring up stuff. I was in a dentist company one day and a girl was working that we went to school with. I couldn't tell you her name, but I remember her and she wouldn't talk to me. I brought my stuff up to the counter and, and, uh, because I always thought now this is my own self thinking, not what you saw like right there. I always thought, okay, I was not sometimes the nicest person in the world, but I thought overall, like I would, uh, be nice to the kids that didn't have a lot or you were very public. Like yeah. you're, you're a big personality and everyone yeah. knew who you were. Also your name is Mooch. Yeah. So it says, who's this guy? Yeah. Like he's big, he's laugh. You were always laughing and smiling and yeah. making jokes and stuff. So overall you had a positive reputation. Yeah. And, and so 
But uh, well, you could be ruthless. Uh, <laughs> probably, That's for sure. I probably was. I'm sorry. But she wouldn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I go, hey, how's it going? Fine. That's what the response was. I was like, it's like, did I, did I piss you off or something? And she goes, you were so mean to me in high school. And I go, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I honestly don't remember being mean to you because mm-hmm. she was so far out of, I think she was a sophomore or junior. And when I was a senior and I, I, but I honestly don't, besides the, like some razzing or maybe something. Yeah. Like but I even don't even remember doing that. You, if you weren't close, you probably wouldn't yeah. have been. And, um, she goes, you were just a jerk. And I go, well, I apologize for that. Isn't it weird how people's memories are like yeah, that? I go, that I, happened to me too. And I go, I apologize for that. I didn't mean to. Isn't it weird now. though, when it's somebody who, who you actually would have thought you were probably nice to? Yeah, that's no, hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, because I think that there was a lot meaner people. Yeah. Especially when I was like a junior. When there's older people than you. Like my, I love my wife, but she was mean sometimes. (laughs) And um, I just didn't, like, I apologized to her. I was Mm -hmm. just like, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Dude, I was so mean to people without realizing it. Yeah. That's horrible. I feel like such an idiot. The, the big story where I was, that I still, I apologized to him since, but baseball. Baseball, he dropped a fly ball in the outfield. Paul? No, not Paul. Mm, you were mean to Paul, too. Sometime. One time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> he dropped a fly ball in the outfield, and it cost us a game. And about once every year, and it didn't matter the season. Basketball, never. I just played basketball to have fun. You know, I just, oh, you pass me the ball here, have it back. I don't want to score. That's okay. Um but once a year, either in football or baseball, the sports that I really cared about, I just, I wanted to win so bad. Yeah. I wanted to win so bad, and that was the most important thing to me, and I lost it. And, it it's like you turn into another person when yeah. you're in that mode. Yeah. And and it was probably 10 years from high school or how long we've been out. And he said, hey, how you doing? And I go, fine, how are you? And I thought he'd never talk to me again, tell you the honest truth. And I just said, you know, that one time my senior year of high school, I apologize for that. Really? That wasn't that wasn't cool. He goes, I forgot all about that. <laughs> but it to me, I go, man, I should have. Because you knew it wasn't right. It wasn't right. It was just I went off. I left the reservation mm-hmm. for about five minutes. Yeah. Because I was just so mad. Because you just work so. To me, to me, it's really, you know, I and I, I kick myself now because I wasn't the hardest worker, like, extra. Like weight room, and I kill myself for that. You worked pretty hard on the field. Yeah. Once we stepped in between those lines, then that's where I worked hard. Mm-hmm. And and when we when I thought we could win and should have won, and we didn't, a oh man. I that's was, hard. I was just. But you know, tell you the honest truth, I could get over it fast. I could get over it fast and move on. Um, but in that moment, when you're in just done with going to war and battle and whatever you want to call it. That's when I was. And the people who don't give a shit are going to be getting the brunt of it. That's the hardest part for me. That is, that was always me. Like I was. Yeah, but you didn't, you didn't. In, in, in certain sports, I uh, just, it's not that I didn't care if we won or lost. It's just that once it was done, I I wasn't emotional about it. I wasn't emotional about I it, was. period. Yeah, I, I a lot of people very, are. Yeah, The people who are better at sports are, are emotional about it. That makes you better. Yeah. that Honestly, that's probably what was missing from my 
list of ingredients was mm-hmm. my emotionality on the field wasn't really there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would get a little mad sometimes here and there, but just I wasn't all in emotionally the way that that you and some of the other really invested athletes yeah. were. But and I would get that response not only a couple times from you, but from a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Coaches, plumber, the guy we were just talking about, said it in my fucking senior night speech that he's giving yeah. as he's like welcoming each senior up to the thing. He says a little thing about each one. What he said about me was. This guy was always consistent, but I, I always just felt like he never reached his full potential because he just never got mad. And he would, and he even asked me, "What are you guys all so mad about?" And and I, at the time, I was like, "Why would you say that? Say that I'm I'm a ferocious animal. Come on, it's the time you talk me up, not tell them the truth." You don't do that. If you don't do that. And but I did wear a shirt. My my undershirt under my gear was a, a bright teal cut off t-shirt with in pink letters that said don't worry be happy and i wore that every game almost as like a an expression of like we're playing a fucking game here guys like let's just not forget that and and that's i so you wore that pink shirt in my helmet i wrote kill them all (laughs) exactly you know that shows that's exactly like our mindset yeah and nutshell and um like when we lost that i'll Try not to cry that much, but I'm. A bit I of cry a, all the time. I'm a bit of a cry. I haven't cried yet today. You know, I'm a bit of a crier. Me too. And try, try not to be. I tell people, but that loss. See, baseball, I was, I was the best at. That was my sport. Football, I loved. Football was everything about it. I loved football, and basketball, I've fallen in love with later on in life. Coaching it wise, I'm a better, much better coach of basketball than I ever was a player. And that's just maybe because of the system that we ran or whatever. And or you're just focused on football and baseball. Yeah. But it would when we lost that state game, that was the hardest thing well at at that age that ever been through. You know, and it's just you just want some for me you just wanted something so damn bad. Going undefeated in sixth grade, going undefeated my eighth grade year in football. You know, you just want, that was our time. And it was just, it was just our time. And when we, like, when you fail like that, if, like, for me, I, that's my fault. It's my fault all the way. I didn't hit somebody there. I didn't do something there. And you think everybody else is thinking that too? Yeah. 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 Even though they're definitely not. Yeah. You know, and when I'm not fast enough to get outside and outrun people against Friday Harbor. You know, they got a D2 running back. He went to Eastern, you know. There was not a player on that field who I could catch if I wanted to. They were, all their linemen were fast. Everybody was fast. They're, I mean, we had the probably the biggest line, one of the biggest lines in the state weight-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had some big boys. You know, and they were just, I remember, I'll never forget, running the option. Boom. Go around. I got chased down by a D lineman because they were all your size now. And fast, and they would yeah. shoot the gaps. Yeah. Our linemen couldn't move. They felt fast like adults. Enough. Yeah. Like they were solid. You couldn't yeah. push them over, <laughs> and they were fast. And I, I'll never forget this, and I'll even swear, and I'm not supposed to probably, but I remember we scored on the like this first or second play that we got, the, and it was a broken play. Yep. And Eddie, Eddie Nick scored for a touchdown. Bobby Kislip kicked the extra point. And I thought to myself, these fuckers don't even know. We're going to run over him. But that pissed him off. 
and then it was 60 to 70 yeah. <laughs> or 60, 60 to, to seven. six. Yeah. Something like that. Did yeah. we get the extra point? Yeah, we got the extra seven. Okay. So 60 to seven, we got our ass. Yeah. That was rough. Oh boy. Did we? Yeah. We talked about that a little bit when I had Ned in here, Yeah, but it was still a great experience. Yeah. I mean, we worked our asses off that season and we actually like, that was the first time I ever really started putting in considerable amount of time outside of, outside of practice, like mm -hmm. going to the weight room and actually like thinking about yeah. games when I wasn't playing them. I never used to even think about sports unless I was doing them. Yeah. But then I started getting and, and, more into it. And tell you the honest truth for me, I, I need sports. I mean, some, in some capacity, I need sports. Like you're, you probably come from a line of warriors. Yeah, sports are a stand-in for war. Yeah, in our DNA. I, I just I cannot be. I mean, look at my look at my whole career. I based it around becoming an athletic director. My dream, well, for about a half of a year, I was going to be a dental hygienist, <laughs> and then I couldn't pass anatomy and physiology. I'd never let you put your hands in my mouth. Well, they were coming for about a quarter, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't pass anatomy and physiology while playing baseball. So I was just like, okay, because I always knew I w I wanted to coach. Yeah, like like you said, you always, I always thought you were a coach or whatever you said. You, I just remember you being very instructive. Like, yeah, you you've always been comfortable teaching. Yeah, like even at a younger age. And even as a junior and senior high school, I thought I was going to be a history teacher, and a coach, and then I want to become an athletic director. Mm -hmm. Well, I've reached those things now. That seems like such a, a path that people would were like, yeah, that that seems right for you. Yeah. Like you, you do well in the school system. Yeah. Like it's, you're, you got the right kind of social vibe for it. And, um, but if I didn't have, like, I'm not coaching now, but I coach my own kid. Like if I didn't have that in some capacity, then I'd be, I'd be a loser. I, I just cannot not. You don't even know who you'd be. No, I just, I'd probably be a crabber and there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes I think to myself, man, I should have been a crabber instead of a teacher. But um, it, it um, to me, and just taking the knowledge that I have and and trying to create, you you said it best that warrior mentality. Let's kill them all. Let's win a state title. Winning's the most important. It's not the most important thing, but well, it is. It is, but it life lessons and and being with people. There's this book called The Warrior of the Light, mm -hmm. and it's by Paul Coelho. He's mm -hmm. he wrote The Alchemist. It's a great book, but it's just like, it's short poems that are all about that warrior ethos of mm -hmm. just being strong when you need to be strong, being caring when you need to be caring, just like what it really means to be a warrior of good. And mm -hmm. that's all that stuff is so important for sports, but really just to build men, like mm -hmm. uh, for masculinity yeah. to exist in this world anymore, you have to be careful. You can't, yeah. it can't be toxic. Yep. Toxic masculinity is toxic, mm -hmm. uh, no doubt. But real, genuine masculinity is not toxic. And the big, and we you know, need to teach our sons that. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life, and this is my whole entire life still to this day, was telling my dad that I failed. Uh, and, and I didn't, I, I mean, I, to me, I felt like I failed. So after I got done out of Centralia playing baseball, I went to Central. Played baseball. Coach told me that. And I was burnt. I was really burnt out. I was, it's a. It's four sports in one when you play in college. Did you did you feel did you know you were burned out or did I you? was I was burnt out. I I was um, like, would you be able to talk about that with your friends or or was it something that you just felt that I you just, weren't going to? I accept? just felt I I was just done. You knew 
I, I knew I wasn't going to go pro or anything like that. And so I was playing at Central, and the coaches told me I was going to be a bullpen catcher. And I just, I made the decision there and then that I was done. I just, I didn't want to add another year to my schooling. I was just done. The hardest thing that I ever had to do was call my dad and tell him I was done. And it still chokes me up today. And so started, because you don't realize, or many people don't realize how much, or just in my case then, how many pitches your dad pitches to you or how many times you sit with him and watch film or how many times that good times that you've had hugging him or getting your ass chewed by him. And, you know, like the ass chewing part, you think, oh, that's a bad thing. Why, why would you do that? No, it's not like that at all. It, it just showed you how much he was investing in you. Because like I tell the kids, if I don't yell at you, if I don't get on you, then I don't care really. Yeah, you don't want to be ignored because, by your coach. Because it's way worse than getting yelled because at. Because that tells me that you're not working hard. You just don't care and so on and so forth. The hardest part was calling him and say, telling him I was done. And I started crying. And probably the, he probably wouldn't let me, like you telling me telling this, but it's probably like four times I've heard my dad cry. And um, he goes, why are you crying? It's okay. And that was the hard, not me being done, not me not playing anymore, but telling my old man that I was done. Because I looked at it as all that investment that he put into me, I have failed. You were playing for him. I was, yeah. In a way. No, in a way. Very little, but. You understood the commitment and the investment he yes. had made. And yes. you thought you were letting him down. And I see a lot of, I see a lot of, even in my own family, not immediate family, but like parents invest, invest, and then they just quit or something like that. And I see all that time and effort and money. You know, it's just hard for me to swallow. Yeah, you know? totally. And there's different ways to do that. I mean, you know, you you hire a deckhand and you invest all this time. You teach him all the things that you know. And then he just up and tells you basically to F off and quits. That That's like the same kind of. You know, so I, that was that was the hardest part. And he goes, "Why, why are you, why are you being a baby and crying? It's all right. You did the best you could. Just move on." And you know, and and uh, so that helped. Mm -hmm. But still, I always. That's, do you still look look back at that as a as like a sad memory that you were done, or do you now think back and kind of consider it in with the whole long journey that you had in baseball? Like, yeah, that's just the, the very last part of it. It's the very last part of it. But it's still, it's got a sting. It's just still stings. Yeah, you know, I just wish it was the end of the dream. Yeah, and the thing about it, you always look back on what you could have done. Oh, sure. Could you, you could have spent more time in that weight room instead of hanging out with your friends, or yeah, you know, that was the biggest surprise. Basically, never lifted a weight in my life and was all league, all state, whatever you want to say. And then I got to college, and people had been lifting weights, mm -hmm. you know, so I had to catch up. Okay, yeah. And, and I was able, God-given talent or whatever you want to call it, was able to catch up pretty quick. And, um, you know, started from freshman year on. And, um, but yeah, it, it was, and that's the one thing that I try to get 
when I was coaching to kids is, you know, like at Nacelle, I opened the weight room every morning and we got a good following, like 12 kids in our little weight room. It was packed. You know, that's the one thing that I hope if you want to play at that next level is, um, you got to get in the weight room. You got to do the extra stuff. For sure. And to my, and I gave them every bit of knowledge that I have about the sport that I was coaching just to help them. So, but other than that, I'm sorry for being mean to you that one time. Oh, dude, don't even. I was, I thought you were still going to be mean. I thought it'd be funny if you were. No. No, you're, it turns out you're a real fucking nice guy now. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, yeah, that, that's seriously the truth too. Like, um, I mean, we don't see each other that much, but here and there. Every time I run into you, you're so nice. And I I just, for some reason, I half expect that you're going to bully me for some reason. And you just don't. You never do. You, give me a chance to fight back, Mooch. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the last thing before we go, I, I because it's now we're at two hours and 17 Jesus, minutes. But two, it goes by fast, huh? Yeah, it flies by. I just want to reiterate before we go, the impact that you are making in the community right now is huge. And even though it's hard work and it sometimes it feels like nobody cares, people do. And and even if they don't know that it's coming from you, it is. And the work that you do with kids is important. And so thank you on behalf of the community for everything that you're doing for sports. And also, if your dad is listening, Butch, thank you for everything you've done for this community. All the stuff you've done in sports. I learned a ton about football from you and you were my coach in eighth grade and seventh grade. And I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the stuff you're doing with the fisheries. And you have created a legacy of positive impact into this community. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff, for having me on. It's, it's been, been a fun. pleasure. Thanks for Anytime. coming. Anytime. Bye, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link. And it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. Bye. Can't nobody take